This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. You're listening to Mastering Innovation on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM 111. Welcome back. Uh, this is Harbir Singh on uh, Sirius Radio XM, the Wharton School's show on mastering innovation. I'll be, I'm joined by Cecilia Gates, the founder and creative director of Gates Creative, to talk about innovation in fashion and beauty advertising. And at any time, if you want, you can call us at one eight four four Wharton. Cecilia, welcome. Hi, thank you. So I'm so delighted you're here, and I see you've done a lot of work on innovation in fashion and in advertising. Can you tell us a little bit about the uh, major trends today in fashion advertising? Well, I think for the the main trends that I've been seeing is probably how brands have to speak with their consumers. So I think I think just with social being introduced into the landscape in the last few years, it's it's changed. Um, just how we connect to the consumers because the consumers have a voice, they have a platform, and so brands no longer are doing push marketing, but it's more about having a conversation, being a platform for these consumers to have a voice and be a part of the brand. Um, so that's that's a main trend that I've been seeing. So uh, tell us more about, you know, you've, you've worked a lot with uh, many of the iconic companies, uh, The Gap, and uh, more recently with Amazon. Uh, what do you see in innovation in uh, fashion and in branding today? I mean, I think for retailers, I mean, retailers that have brick-and-mortar stores, I think innovation needs to come in to play with the, the in-store experience and that, like, having an immersive experience um, and changing, like, how do we get consumers to cross the lease line? Um, just with the shift of everyone shopping online and, and less and less people going to stores, I think brands are going to have to start innovating and thinking of new ways to treat the the actual space. Mm-hmm. It's not just a space where you sell products anymore, but I think all brands need to think about consumers and the end use and how we're making their lives easier or offering them a service that they can't get online um, to bring them into the stores and, and, and partnering with different brands or different different ideas to to create a different space and um, innovate in that way. Mm-hmm. So who are the the big fashion innovators today? You know, if you think about... As you said, the landscape is changing. Of course, some of the uh, well-established innovators are still there, uh, but there are some new ones, I assume. I mean, I think I think the brands I think the brands that are interesting right now are the ones that are disrupting the space, but they tend to be more direct to consumer brands. Um, you know, brands like Casper, I think that have sort of like flipped industries like the mattress industry on its head or you have brands like Cara Vitamins that, you know, taking these existing industries that that we we've all are familiar with but doing things in a in a different way or offering a different service or, or meeting a different need that hasn't been met from mm-hmm. from like the typical brands essentially. 
so uh, when I look at, uh, you know, um, I talk to my colleagues in the marketing area here at Wharton, they talk a lot about the importance of analytics, that, mm-hmm. you know, um, there's so much more data available, mm-hmm. and some firms are responding faster than others, uh, and uh, uh, and maybe that can give people a sense of, uh, you know, early uptake by consumers, uh, mm-hmm. the pricing, and so on. Yeah, I mean... The way that I approach it personally or what I've seen just in the industry that I've and the clients that I've worked with, I mean, I tend I tend to go with my gut and sort of, you know, I, I tend to also look at the consumers and look at social and see sort of what's trending to understand what that landscape is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, in the past, I think a lot of brands have looked at analytics to sort of guide them. And I think... You know, in, in the last few years, with these brands that are leading with creativity and and innovation through creativity, I think it's it's a little different. It's it's people that are starting brands for products that they want themselves, and I think consumers are wanting this sort of peer to peer marketing. So I think it's less about the numbers and and focus groups, and I think it's more about the sort of authenticity of starting a brand or doing a brand that that's meeting a need that you want or you haven't found yourself and mm-hmm. then you see these consumers connecting to that because especially millennials and Gen Z they really want that sort of transparency and authenticity and they're shying away from the bigger brands that are trying to predict trends or trying to tell them what what the next big thing is I think it's really flipped and consumers are really sort of leading that so uh, can you give me some examples of these uh, brands that millennials are pursuing uh, versus the the bigger brands you were talking about? Yeah, I mean I think like in the beauty in the <clears throat> excuse me, like in the beauty industry, I think you see brands like Glossier, which is always a very typical example of that where mm-hmm. You have someone like Emily Weiss starting a brand, and really she had a a media platform and a blog that she was doing and then turned that into a brand and a beauty brand, and and people are connecting to that because they're sort of buying into a culture and and they're buying into a community. So I think that's always a really good example of how how that has worked, Um, and that's you know, even Care of Vitamins, which I don't know if you're familiar with, but I think they do something interesting where it's about personalization and it's about you you get these daily vitamins or you get what what sort of needs need to be met and you get a pack that has your name on it. So it's Care mm-hmm. of Cecilia. Or, and I think the people feel connected to those brands. It feels a little more intimate. It feels like you're not just going to the drugstore and buying multivitamin. It has a little more, it's more specific to you. It's like you're putting your stamp on it. In so way. that's that's fascinating. I, so do you see that uh, happening in more and more uh, product categories now? Uh, the idea of, I mean, personalization clearly yeah. ha- has uh, has taken off. And why would people not like personalization uh, if the price is, you know, within yeah. a range? Um, so... Uh, what do you see with with brands that perhaps were were displaced by this personalization? How would they come back or respond to that? Yeah, I mean, I think you have. I mean, I think it's an interesting question because I think a lot of brands are asking the same thing. I think 
there's a, I think there's a lot of ways to approach it and a lot of, of ways to do it. I mean, I think obviously brands mass produce and it's cost effective, but there needs to be maybe some variable in there that allows clients to, to put their own stamp on it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I walk by American Eagle and their whole window is about you can personalize your, your back pocket patch on all your denim. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an example of a large brand taking it down to try to get personalized on some level, mm-hmm. um, you know, or even like the, the fashion brands with embroidering or, you know, doing things like that. I think Levi's does stuff like that too in some of their flagship stores. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in beauty, it's, it's, a, it's a huge piece because people want to feel, especially with ranges of skin tone or, or your ethnicity or who you are, you want to feel like it's specialized for you and it's not just, you know, there's not just five shades and, and you have to fit into one of those five. You, you know, there's a multitude of skin tones out there. So I think brands, especially in beauty, are getting a little more adept to how do they take something that people people can personalize or customize. Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, which brands do you think are more, I think you already mentioned uh, Levi's and a couple of others, which brands are more uh, robust today and which ones are more vulnerable among the, among the big brands just for, just for, you know, to, to understand differences? Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, I do think just to speak more generally with the, with bigger brands, I think, I think it's hard. I think the, I think the corporate culture hasn't shifted for for many decades and and how do you shift that internal culture so you can get innovation within big corporations Mm -hmm. you know i think you know with my agency i developed you know i started my agency because i felt like small smaller is better and it's a little more niche and we can be a little more focused and and i think these larger corporations that Mm -hmm. are you know these big brands are part of have to sort of think small that way as well because I think you get bogged down in too many layers and and that can sort of stump the innovation process. Mm -hmm. So I think sort of breaking out smaller teams or treating these bigger brands like a startup and taking risks I think are a big part of, of these larger corporations trying to catch up to these more innovative startups that the younger generations are responding to. In case you're just tuning in, you're listening to Mastering Innovation on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm Harbir Singh. My guest is Cecilia Gates, founder and creative director of Gates Creative, and we're talking about the fashion industry and how new brands, uh, based on personalization and other new trends, are challenging existing brands in a very fundamental way. Um, So, Cecilia, you were talking about working with smaller entities. Can you tell us more about... Um, sort of what your value proposition is with them. Um, you clearly, uh, uh, one of them is to be more innovative because they are smaller, right? Mm-hmm. And that's one way of uh, gaining position. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, my history is I spent over 15 years at at large in-house, like global retailers like Levi's and Gap and Sephora and um so I, I, ha- I see both sides, and mm-hmm. so having an agency that's smaller, I think 
what we're trying to create is we've always wanted to be an extension of the in-house team so mm-hmm. that we, I think it's important when I was running in-house teams at, at large corporations, I think having an outside perspective and having agencies partner with you is always really important mm-hmm. because they just approach it from a different point of view and having an agency you're able to work on a number of different clients and so you get a, a, a lot of different perspectives and it sort of helps keep you on top of things and it keeps your perspective mm-hmm. um, higher so I, you know we I've really wanted to to just bridge that in-house agency world mm-hmm. where it used to be disconnected or you have these large agencies and you have a ton of people in the large agencies for me, I wanted to really be invested in the brand. I always feel like I am a part of the the brands and the Very clients that we have. Yeah. So, so you know, one of the things I've always wondered about, and given your you know work with so many iconic organizations, uh, um, you might have a a good estimate. You know, if you think about this, you know, much of what we do in this show is around innovation, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, of course, defined broadly. If you look at technological innovation, and let's say in pharmaceuticals. Um, as one industry, the the hit rate of new compounds is relatively low, but the idea is that the ones that hit will have patent protection and you know offset the the cost of many of the ones that did not work. Mm-hmm. Um, so all innovation has a failure rate, or at least a rate of non non completion of the project. Uh, what is the um, baseline, you know, to create a new brand? or an extension to a brand, you know, there must be plenty of attempts before a successful uh, outcome emerges. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I think it just, I think for different brands, it, it depends. I think, you know, not just launching a new brand, but maybe launching it into a new, into a new category. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for some brands that are beauty brands specifically that have a specific, you know, they could be a skincare brand and they want to get into more color, more makeup. And so that you test one product with your consumer base and you see, is there a response to that product? And then you keep growing that category. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, with the brands that I work with, that's how I see that um that sort of structure working. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think just with the younger, more startup brands, just sort of taking a risk and knowing that you're filling a need, you're filling a white space. Um, right. So you see more, I think part of it is the culture of risk-taking, and you see perhaps yeah. more in a, in an organization that has less to lose. I mean, they're, they're actually looking to create. Exactly. Uh, so if you think about um, different demographics of uh, customers, how, how do millennials, for example, respond to new products? You already were saying that a lot of it has to do with social media and communities. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think I think millennials respond well to, to innovation and new products and um, repackaging of things that, you know, maybe have existed in the past. Um I think it's how you market to to the the millennial generation and Gen Z. I think with you know the millennial generation, they really do look to their peers, and that's really kind of grown out of social media mm-hmm. and not really 
traditional marketing where brands are advertising and you're sort of buying into that advertising. This is where you're seeing all this influencer marketing mm-hmm. sort of take over for a lot of brands and and social takeover as like the main a media medium for for brands to commu- to communicate to their consumers. So mm-hmm. um I mean there's a there's just a huge trend in influencers sort of marketing these products and using it and testing it and reviewing it and then the consumers sort of jumping on board if they relate to that specific person. So part of what you're saying is it's not just about you know, changing a brand or changing an attribute. It's really about a different business model that mm-hmm. as you, as, in today's world, uh, the business models themselves are changing. And um, and if there's an existing business model across a very large established brand, then the scale of that change is is very substantial. Yeah, and I think in in relation to marketing, I think it's having a shift it's sort of it's it's with technology and social i think it's been really hard to sort of shift your brain out of the old traditional ways of advertising and marketing to your customer it's very different now i mean it's all about content it's all about how you're pushing content out to your audience mm-hmm. and it it changes every year it changes every 6 months so um even from our end on the agency side keeping up with that and and what is the best way to get the message out there and how are we shifting and adapting to to these changes right even within one platform like instagram Mm -hmm. it was about just images and then it turned into videos and then it turned into gifts and then now it's all about instagram stories and Mm -hmm. it's and so there's going to be something else that's coming up in the next, you know, six months that that brands and agencies are going to have to adapt to. So that's that's so. What kinds of it looks like the kind of employee you need also is changing quite substantially. Besides the business model, right? You need people who are who are able who are have a facility with these media and creating the stories and so on. So uh, where do you find your employees? for this new way of doing business? Yeah, I mean, I think we, um, I mean, we, what I look for in employees is, you know, a lot of my employees are the younger generation and they they are a little more native to, to those platforms mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and help keep me, keep me up to speed on that. Um, and so, I mean, I, I find my employees through all different, different places, but um, it's really, you know, we're a creatively led agency and we're, we lead through creative strategy and all of, all of my art directors and designers um, really, you know, come from great schools and, and really know, know those areas and it's mm-hmm. sort of instinctual for them because they, they use these platforms every day, so... So as you, that's wonderful. And so, you know, we just, uh, in the middle of this month, we had a whole, uh, you know, large numbers of graduates coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, what uh, career advice would you give them about being in this uh, uh, fashion and uh, beauty space? I mean, I think, I mean, my advice has always been, especially in fashion um, and in and in marketing and advertising, I think, you really always have to go with your gut. You really have to just have an understanding. Um, like, 
I've always approached every client where you really get to know their story and what's their foundation and what have they been built upon and how do you take that and evolve it to the modern world and what's happening now. Um, I think, you know, looking at trends in pop culture and, and, you know, the creative industry is very innovative. You're always having to rethink things. Like, you're always having to challenge things. You're always having to think outside of the box. And, mm-hmm. and disrupt, you need to disrupt the space. You need to disrupt the physical space. You need to disrupt the digital space. Um, and really sort of push push boundaries a little bit because that's how you make change. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's wonderful. So, uh, you know, what we're talking about are completely new industry segments and really almost new industries uh, emerging from those. Um, so... Uh, Cecilia, thanks so much for joining us on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. How can listeners find out more about what you're doing? Yeah, well, they can um, visit our website at gatescreative.com and they can follow us on Instagram um, at gatescreative. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. So today we talked about, you know, innovation in uh, two different domains. One is in leadership uh, and the other is, uh, you know, within organizations and being, uh, you know, a strong middle manager. And the other one, of course, is in uh, media and in uh, in advertising. And we see that there are a lot of new business models emerging in, in both. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for today. Thanks. Thank you all so much for joining us. If you have a question about something you heard on today's show, email us at businessradio at SiriusXM.com. And be sure to follow our show on Twitter at BizRadio111. And you can also follow the Mac Institute at our Twitter handle, Mac Institute at Mac Institute, where we'll be posting about this show. Our website also includes many other items uh, that we work on in the Mac Institute. Once again, a special thank you to our guests today, Mary Abajay and Cecilia Gates. I'd also like to thank our producer, Brian Drew, and our sound engineer, Dion Simpkins. Until next time, I'm Harbir Singh co-director of the Mac Institute, and this is Mastering Innovation on Business Radio powered by Wharton School. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 